Thank you, Lee. Fantastic. Well, um, do grab a Bible. We're going to read together Jonah chapter 2. We're actually going to start just one verse before verse 17 of chapter 1. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me down into the depths, into the very heart of the sea and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waves threatened me. The deep waters surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me, beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome everybody to our second sermon on Jonah. We're in a four-week series uh, in, this, in this month. My name is Brogan. I'm married to Beth and I'm the trainee vicar or the ordinand here at St. Thomas's. Please do keep following along in your Bibles because we're going to be pulling this text apart together as we seek to understand it. We join Jonah at a pivotal moment in his story today. Lee spoke last week about how Jonah was called by God to minister to a city and that we too are called by God to minister to a city. For Jonah, that city was Nineveh, a city that he feared. For us, that is the city of Newcastle, a city that we love. But the calling remains the same, to faithfully minister to the city. So last week we looked at called to the city. This week we're looking at being formed for the sake of the city. And, and because in order to do the things that we're called to do, we first have to be the people God is calling us to be. Jonah is, it, is at this place in his life where he has run from God and tried to avoid his calling. And yet it is here that God meets him and begins to form him into the person that God is calling him to be. God is doing a work of spiritual formation in his life. And we're going to come back to this phrase today because I think it's helpful to understand what's going on here with Jonah. So let's define spiritual formation. Put simply, spiritual formation is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus in our affections, in our thoughts, and in our deeds. That is, 
and that's what God is doing in Jonah's life. He's shaping him to be more like who he's meant to be in what he loves, in how he thinks, and in how he acts. So let's dig into this text. Look at it with me. We're looking at this, this passage in three sections today. Verses 1 through to 7, Jonah prays about his relationship with God. He receives faith. And then in verse 8, Jonah's, Jonah addresses something a bit, a bit different. He speaks, he makes a, a statement of theological truth. He starts to understand his faith. And in verse 9, Jonah commits to putting his faith into action. He proclaims faith. And we're going to look at these three aspects of spiritual formation today. Receiving faith, understanding faith, and proclaiming faith. So let's start then, receiving faith, verses 1 through to 7. And the big picture here, church, is that God is faithful when we are not. Let's look at what it says in verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Now notice that this is the narrator speaking, the person telling the story. And now think about that phrase, the Lord, his God. In some ways, it makes no sense because Jonah has not been living in a way that reflects that Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is his God. He's not been living in obedience to him. He's fled from his call. And yet the narrator, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, that Jonah prayed to his God. At Jonah's lowest moment, God does not distance himself from Jonah. Jonah is not defined in scripture by his worst moment. The Bible does not say, then Jonah prayed to the God he had turned away from. The Bible does not say, then Jonah prayed to the God he had failed to serve. No, the Bible says, Jonah prayed to his God. Our relationship with God is not defined by our faithfulness or lack of faithfulness to him. Our relationship with God is defined by his faithfulness to us. And we see this in verse 2 as well. Jonah says, in my distress I called to the Lord. He answered me. He heard my cry. Look at the contrast here between Jonah and between God. Whilst Jonah had withheld his faithful answer from God, God does not withhold his faithful answer from Jonah. Think back to the start of the story. When God calls out to Jonah, Jonah flees from the call. But now, when Jonah calls out to God, God answers his call. Our relationship with God is not dependent on our faithfulness to him. Our relationship with God is dependent on his faithfulness to us. And if God is always faithful to us, then that means that he is the God of second chances, the God of forgiveness. And that's what we see in verses four and in verse six. Let's look at verse four. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again on your holy temple. Jonah recognises that his banishment from the sight of God is entirely fair. 
that he deserves punishment, and yet he prophetically declares that God is the God of forgiveness. He is the God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances, that he will look again on God's holy temple. This is an image of a restored relationship with a God of forgiveness. We can receive faith in God because he is faithful and our faith is constantly renewed in God because he is forgiving. So how do we receive a faith like this? Well, the answer is through Jesus. Jonah is one of the stories that Jesus speaks a lot about in the New Testament. In fact, often people will ask Jesus for a miracle, trying to get him to perform a trick like he's some sort of circus act. And he says to them, no. He says, no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Because just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea creature for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man, that's the way Jesus often refers to himself, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. That's Matthew chapter 12. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying this. Jonah's relationship with God was restored through three days and three nights in darkness as a prophetic sign of how our relationship with God would be restored through Jesus spending three days and three nights in darkness. It is through the death and through the resurrection of Jesus that we receive God's faithfulness and forgiveness. And this is what we build our faith on. Alicia, we sang that beautiful song earlier, build my life. I will build my life upon your love. And this is the love that we're speaking about and singing about, a faithful, forgiving love. It's how we receive our faith. It's how we renew our faith. The book of Jonah is not just about Jonah. It's primarily about faith in Jesus Christ. So how do we respond to this? How do we receive faith and how do we renew our faith? Firstly, receiving faith. If you're watching this and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, then you are invited to receive this faith today. A faith that is built on God's character of faithfulness to you. A faith that has forgiveness and restored relationship with God and with other people at the very heart of it. And if you want to experience that restoration of relationship with God today, then we're going to pray together at the end. And I'd love you to pray with me. The other way we can respond is by renewing our faith. For others of us, we, we need to come back to this truth again today. Maybe we've started to slip into thinking that our faith uh, in God is about us being good enough for God. This can manifest in, in all sorts of ways, but the core problem is the same, that we've forgotten the basis of our faith in God is his faithfulness to us, that it's God's forgiveness and faithfulness that defines our relationship with him. Now, I went through, uh, about a year into marriage with Beth, I went through this. Every morning, I would get up and I would go into the lounge and I would read my Bible. 
And just before I'd finished reading my Bible and praying, Beth would come through and she would sit there for a little while and then she'd say to me, Brogan, what have you been reading in the Bible? How are you doing? How was your morning? And I would be so annoyed because she was interrupting my morning Bible reading. But rather than communicate with her, I decided to make the uh, entirely logical move of just getting up 15 minutes earlier. And Beth, wanting to also, you know, our days be in sync with each other, also got up 15 minutes earlier. So then a few days later, I got up another 15 minutes earlier and Beth got up another 15 minutes earlier. And this kept on going until I was getting up at half five. I was thoroughly miserable by half six and I had to have a nap at 7 a.m. It was not good. Now, what was going on here? Well, after some prayer and, um, and journaling and thinking this through, I realised that this was going on, that I was allowing how spiritual my morning Bible reading felt to define how I thought about my relationship with God. And so I slipped into thinking that my faith had rested somehow on doing the right things. And then I got grouchy with Beth when I felt that she was stopping me doing that for some reason. So I had to go on this, this journey, not just of learning how to communicate with Beth, which was, you know, a good thing, but of understanding that my relationship with God was not defined by how spiritual I felt. It was not defined on whether I ticked the, I've read my Bible in silence box that I'd somehow made up for myself. Rather, my faith is defined by God's faithfulness to me. It might not look like this for you. It might look for you like never feeling good enough. It might look for you like feeling annoyed with people around you if they don't live up to the standard that, that you've set for yourself. Or it might feel like your faith is just hard work and that you can never do enough to please God. They're all rooted in the same misunderstanding. The truth that we need reminding of is this, that our relationship with God is defined by his faithfulness and forgiveness towards us. And just a note from the Hume household, we eventually resolved this by agreeing that when I finished reading my Bible in the morning, I would bring Beth through a cup of tea in bed. And for some reason, she was really happy with the solution. So uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Verse eight then, understanding faith. We've looked at receiving faith. We're now gonna turn to idols. Turn away from God's love for them. This is just one verse, but it is hugely challenging. So let's take it word by word. And the big idea that we're looking at here is that we are called to understand our faith and to let our faith shape the way that we see the world. So the first word of this verse is those. Here, Jonah goes from talking about his relationship with God to making a wider observation about the state of faith in the nation and the nations around him. The irony is that it's also a statement about himself, that he has clung to the worthless idol of safety. And in trying to flee God's call, he's actually ended up less safe than ever. So often, when we, can, we see problems in others that are really problems in ourselves. And so as we seek to understand our faith and have our worldview shaped by the Bible, we have to approach it with humility. We have to come ready to learn, ready to change, ready to respond to God's call. 
The next word is cling, and we're going to look at that in just one moment. But the object of this is idols. The Jewish nation, uh, the nation which Jonah is from, was distinct in that they did not create physical statues of gods like the nations around them. The nations around them worshipped creation, but the Israelites, the Jews, were taught in Scripture to worship the Creator. So Jonah's statement here is about idolatry, and it's not just confined to making statues. Idolatry is worshipping created things rather than the creator. Idols are things that we worship in place of God. Tim Keller, who's a theologian and pastor in the States, puts it like this. What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God, and anything you seek to give what only God can give. He clarifies that idols are not bad things. In fact, they're often good things that we turn into God things, penultimate things that we turn into ultimate things. You know, our family can be made into an idol. Our money can be made into an idol. Caring for those who we've been entrusted with can be turned into an idol or academic success. But when we hold and cling to these things more than we hold on to God, we turn away from the love that he has shown us in Jesus Christ, the faithful, forgiving love that we were just exploring. And we're told that we have a tendency to cling to idols. So let's come back to that word. The Hebrew word is shamar. It's a word that is really rich. It's packed full of meaning. It means cling. It means keep. It means preserve. It means guard. It means watch over. So cling is a very active translation, but equally it can be very passive. When we think about idols, we tend to, that we, things that we treat as God but aren't God, we tend to assume that our relationship with them is going to be active. They're constantly on our mind. They're constantly in our thoughts. We're constantly chasing after, after them. And idolatry can be like that. It certainly can be like that. But this Shema word can also be passive. There can also be passive assumptions and ingrained ways of thinking that become idols to us. Political beliefs that we refuse to question, and this is on both right and left and in the centre of politics. Philosophies that we have simply assumed are compatible with faith in Jesus. They may be, but they also may not. Some of us have made the passive assumption that the Bible is mostly right, but there are some things that it's wrong on. And so that is a passive idol. We're not constantly running around looking for it, but it informs us every time we read the Bible. It's something that we cling to, that we guard, that we preserve. Verse 8 is clear. It's easy to cling to or guard a way of seeing the world where we place other things in authority over scripture, God's revelation of himself to us. But part of understanding our faith is having our worldview shaped by scripture. That God is one, that God is the only God, not one God amongst many. And that everything that exists 
only exists because he created it. Therefore, we don't worship created things. We worship the creator himself. Understanding faith means loving God with our mind. And it's part of the journey of spiritual formation that we're going on. Loving God with our minds means exploring the world through science and philosophy and history and sociology and psychology and every other ology you can mention. It's exploring the world from the perspective that it is all part of God's creation. And we understand that even when we can't quite see how it all fits together. The God who's made everything has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And that has to change the way that we view the world if we believe in Jesus. So how can we grow in understanding our faith? Well, if you are new to faith, then I cannot recommend anything better than Alpha. If you've never done Alpha, if you're just exploring what this means for you, if you're exploring what it means to view the world from, a, from the perspective of what the Bible says about God, then I cannot recommend Alpha enough. We would love to invite you on Alpha. The other thing you could do if you're um, not yet in a small group is to join one. Every Tuesday night, Beth and I sit down with a cup of tea or sometimes a glass of wine and we join our small group and we talk about the big questions of life. We wrestle with the text together. Something else you could do is to, uh, is to read some books around a particular topic. If you know someone who really loves this side of understanding faith, ask them to recommend something to you. Drop us a message. Anyone on stage, I'm sure, would love to receive a message asking for some book recommendations. Um, there's a YouTube channel called Speak Life, and they've just put out a new series of videos called Reset, and they are absolutely fantastic. I've not watched all of them, but I've watched some of them. And it's all about this idea of exploring meaning and purpose in life, grappling with some big questions. I commend them to you. So we're invited to understand the faith that we've received and here in verse 8, that's what Jonah begins to do. He begins to see the world from the perspective of the scriptures. Finally, then, we come to the outworking of Jonah's faith, verse 9. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Now, notice what's going on here. Jonah goes from talking about his personal relationship with God to understanding the world from a different perspective. And now he implements, he responds to that change in his affections and in his understanding. Jonah's faith does not stay contained in his own experience. What he refused to do when the Lord first called him, preached the city of Nineveh, he now vows to go and do. He longs to go and do. He recognises that it will be a sacrifice, but he approaches it with joy. This is a complete turnaround, and it is a testimony to the power of God's spiritual formation in his life. Compare and contrast with the man that he used to be. He ran from God and now he's running to God's call. He didn't want his faith to cost him. Now he's willing to make a sacrifice. He avoided preaching at all costs and now he longs to declare the name of the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord, he says. 
And this is what spiritual formation can do in us. It's through God's mercy that most of us will not end up processing this inside the belly of a fish. Um, but it's through God's mercy that we are shaped and formed into the people that we're called to be. We are formed for the sake of the city. We are formed for the sake of God's world. We are formed into who we're called to be because it's where we are most alive and it's where we minister from. And Ben is going to look at this more next week in chapter 3. None of us are ready when God calls us. All of us need some work doing within us. But God is sovereign and powerful to do that work. So I encourage you today to respond to this, to receive faith, to understand faith and to proclaim faith. We're going to sing a song now uh, in response to this and it's called New Wine and it's got some fantastic lyrics and it's all about this process of being formed by God. The first verse says, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. That is to say that in this moment in our life when we experience a call, in this moment in Jonah's life where he's inside the belly of the fish, God is bringing something out of that time. And that's something that God is doing in us and through us now. So just as Alicia begins to play, I would love you to maybe put out your hands as a sign of wanting to receive from God. Receiving faith, understanding faith, proclaiming faith. I'd love you to pray, Holy Spirit, where are you leading me to grow at the moment? Holy Spirit, what, what are you leading me to grow in? invite you, you might want to close your eyes and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. Maybe you know that you need to receive faith for the first time, that you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, but you want to become a Christian today. Before we do anything else, we're going to pray for that because that is the best decision that anyone can ever make so if that's you I invite you to put your hand on your heart maybe it's just a way of saying Lord this is for me Lord God thank you that you are faithful to me thank you that you were faithful to me in Jesus and you've made a way for me to know you Thank you that you are a forgiving God. I'm sorry for the wrong in my life. I choose to place my trust in the person of Jesus. I receive faith today. Amen. And if that's you, we would love to hear from you. You can drop us a message. I'll 
put an email address in the chat in a moment um, or someone else will and we would love to hear from you we'd love to help you and support you in following Jesus and now we're going to sing this song together welcome to sing from home or have it sung over you if you don't know it and I'd invite you just to ask Lord what are you doing in my life where are you calling me to grow and allow God to speak to you. Amen.